Touchdown! Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that time, George. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs. And the Chiefs are 2-0. They're atop the AFC West. And now, I don't know about you, this feels like a trap game, man. Like, this feels like... This is Kansas State hosting Tulane a little bit, you know, between the Missouri game and the Oklahoma game because the Chiefs go to the Colts at noon on Sunday. And a lot of people expected the Colts to be, you know, win the AFC South, you know, and, and potentially even be contenders um, in the division. And they've gotten off to just a rotten start. You know, you're coming off the game against the Chargers. You've got, you know, a run of Tampa Bay Monday night against Las Vegas and the Bills coming up after this. This feels, is this a classic trap game going to an Indianapolis team that has really floundered coming out of the gates with a tie at Tennessee and, a, and getting shut out at Jacksonville? No, a trap game would be going to Houston, Texas. That's a trap game and then winning. But it's not a trap game unless they lose, unless the Chiefs lose. So, no, trap games, in my opinion, do not really actually exist. I mean, it's just, you know, like <clears throat> there's if you take an opponent lightly, um, like, you know, Houston Texans, who they're not playing this year. Um, but if you took somebody like that lightly and let them hang around and everything and not give the same level of championship effort, then, yeah, that turns into that. But that that is discounting, in my opinion, who Patrick Mahomes is and who Andy Reid is. Because that's the, when you listen to Patrick Mahomes' conversations or his answers in press conferences, he has so much of Andy Reid's mentality and preparation to him that Andy has really kind of helped mold that to him from a verbal perspective in meetings and over time and helped shape his mindset to where he sounds so much like Andy in press conferences with that mentality. Don't get me wrong. Patrick Mahomes is his own individual and he's got his certain levels of motivation. Sometimes he's willing to let sneak out and admit. Um, but like there's so much of Andy's catchphrases that I hear come out of Patrick's mouth. And that's not a bad thing. Cause you know, a hall a future hall of fame head coach, you know, helping a guy who could potentially be a future hall of fame quarterback. Like that combination is a good combination. So for me, there isn't necessarily a trap game. Chiefs just got to go out and execute the right way. And as long as Patrick Mahomes is in charge, like the, the Chiefs just haven't had that. The last time I remember that happening was kind of Alex Smith when the Chiefs were facing the Titans that one year that they lost to the Steelers in, uh, in the playoffs. And like the Chiefs lost to a very physical run football team. It, but since Patrick's been there, there, there aren't those laws. It's much more consistent performance week to week. Yeah, I, I think it helps that you've got some big names on that Colts defense still. Uh, you know, DeForest Buckner, Yannick Ngakwe, Steph Gilmore, um, you know, Shaquille Leonard, uh, formerly Darius Leonard, who, you know, one of the best middle linebackers in the, in the game. I, I don't think uh, – he didn't play last week, but I don't think the Chiefs – uh, and Patrick Mahomes look at that film and, and take that defense lightly. But the big news of the week, man, was came on the Chiefs defense, actually. Uh, it's the four-game suspension for Willie Gay. Um, one thing I want to clear up, there's been a lot of conversation about how this revolved around a broken vacuum cleaner and stuff like that. I think it's important to note that there were accusations in the police report that he pushed her under the couch and things like that. This was more than a broken vacuum cleaner. Um, but I just wanted to get your thoughts real quick. I mean, look, Roger Goodell has wide latitude to punish however he wants. Um, I understand the criticism that some people think that are, are surprised at the length of the suspension. Um, 
but you know, to your mind, were you surprised or does it matter? I mean, the NFL made the decision they made and the chiefs have to deal with it moving forward. Uh, for me, mentality wise, it's always, it doesn't matter. What's done is done. And I mean, people can talk about appeal or talk about this or that, but I mean, it, you know, with the, with the situation of what it was and what was put in that report that you and I both saw, like, I mean, that's, that's what's on the papers. What, you know, is what's going to be seen as the reality and the situation that, you know, that ha- transpired there. I mean, that's, that's what's in the take a phrase that a coach read that that's, what's real right now. So, I mean, that's what NFL is going to interpret off of, and that's what they were going to punish off of. But I think where fans are frustrated and where other people are frustrated is the lack of consistency from issues. Like it's not like a, it's not just necessarily like a fine where, you know, for example, when Derwin James body slammed Travis Kelsey excessively, um, like it's not, you, you know, you're getting a fine for this type of conduct, but for like these type of things, it seems like there's just not a uniform standard right now for, Hey, if this person has this happen off the field, it's going to be this level of suspension, or if this happens, can be this level of suspension. So I think that's kind of where a lot of the frustration comes is people don't have a clear expectation set out of like, this is how many games if this incident occurs, like, I mean, and, and part of it may be that they, <laughs> the NFL doesn't want to have that level because then that admits that they're having those problems, you know, on a, more universal basis potentially. So I, I think like that, I think that's where fans get frustrated at the same time. I think the NFL kind of, you know, if, if they admitted something like that, then that's a, that's a bad look for, you know, for the league as well as like, Hey, we're used to this happening. So this is a four game suspension each time. Yeah. And, and look, I, Ezekiel Elliott was suspended six games, um, you know, for uh, his, you know, and he wasn't convicted of domestic violence either. Um, I think that I think that the NFL suspension in this case was an acknowledgement that this was more than simple property damage, regardless of what he was charged with. And remember, Ezekiel Elliott wasn't charged when he was suspended either. Uh, the NFL can go above and beyond. Um, I, 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 I wasn't surprised, honestly, that they came in at four. Um, I think everybody, though, when you look at it in the prism of the Deshaun Watson situation and and the way that was handled by the Texans and then the way that was handled by the NFL and and things like that, I I get it. I get it. I get the frustration with, you know, not knowing like what, you know, that that one thing's, you know, leads to another. The other thing that's interesting is I think there's a sense that like Frank Clark may not end up suspended, Um, you know, for uh, he also had a, you know, recently, um, had a plea deal in his gun cases. Uh, I actually thought that was going to be a bigger deal. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. It, it is it is perplexing. I get that fans get frustrated. But at the end of the day, I think the NFL kind of looks at each case on a case-by-case basis um, and then makes their decision based on that. Um, it's unfortunate that, that Willie Gay is going to be out because he had a good start to the season. It's unfortunate that this was all resolved back in July and then they they – didn't get the suspension handed down before the season. And now it kind of interrupts, um, you know, the season in a sense for the chiefs, but uh, you know, it, there's nothing the chiefs can do at this point uh, other than move on and hope that Darius, uh, um, Darius Harris uh, can, can play well 
um, you know, and, and pick up the slack and, and look, he's a veteran guy. Let me ask you this. Cause Darius Harris, he's not a guy who's seen a lot of time on defense, but he's a guy that we saw in training camp. He's the backup middle linebacker. They trust him with the green dot on his helmet. They, you know, he's been a primarily a special teams guy, but we've seen flashes from him that he can be, we think he can be a decent linebacker in Spagnolo's system. How much of a drop-off do you think there's going to be if, in fact, Darius Harris is the guy they lean on during these four games? I think that's what we'll find out over the weeks ahead. I mean, from a preseason perspective, he looked like he was he belonged higher than where he is with the with the twos and threes at times. So, I mean, he looks like he's capable of starting and ready to start. We'll see how he does when teams are scheming against his ability and his weaknesses. So, I mean, that that's just something that they'll all find out, at, you know, once once they get out on the football field. But, I mean, he has the athletic ability. He's got the understanding of the scheme to get it done. And if the coaches didn't believe that, they wouldn't be putting him in that spot right now or giving him the green dot like they did. Yeah, I mean, I, that, to me, that was significant. When you see him, you know, get the green dot, calling the plays as the backup to Nick Bolton, um, that speaks volumes, in my opinion, to what the, the coaching staff thinks about him as a player. Yeah. And we've seen the athleticism on special teams. You know that it, it's in there. The question is, can he play loose, fast, and free and not be out there thinking, you know, and make the reads, you know, be effective in coverage, be effective coming downhill like Willie Gay has been. And those answers won't come till noon on Sunday. But I, I think they're in a good spot. And, and I think that Darius Harris has been eager for this opportunity. Um, and I think that he's – you talk about Patrick Mahomes being motivated. I think Darius Harris is going to be motivated to go out there and show what he can do. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about that Colts offense because they have a turnstile at left tackle. Um, I was watching it. I, I know we – you know, for better or worse, you know, we've had conversations about Orlando Brown Jr.'s struggles at left tackle. Um, I, As I was watching, like, the game against the, the Colts, like Matt Pryor, um, not good, man. Not good. I mean, do you feel like there's some opportunities to attack the left side of that Colts offensive line? Cause we know they've got Quentin Nelson. We know they've got Braden Smith. We know, you know, it's a highly touted line, but man, that, that left tackle situation was, has, has looked ugly early in the season. They, they have a lot of problems in their offensive line, not just at left tackle. So like, there's a lot of opportunities to uh, go, pressure them, give them certain looks, and Matt Ryan's going to be uncomfortable with it. Matt Ryan's not comfortable behind that offensive line in general, not just on his blind side. They're not in rhythm together in terms of pass protection, so there's looks right now that teams have been giving them where they'll they'll put five in the box. They'll put seven, you know, they'll put seven in the box and start to show a blitz and drop back, and, like, he he's already seen ghosts before the snap even starts, so... Like he's he's not uncomfortable in that the the whole offense is just clunky right now. And like he what they're trying to do is the Colts are trying to create an offensive scheme that fits what he did with Kyle Shanahan during his time there that blends shotgun with play action pass so that they can blend um Jonathan Taylor's running running ability with the play action pass to where Matt feels comfortable, but then also have some of the shotgun variations that he had down in Atlanta back in the 2015 range. And they're trying to put all that together while not necessarily forcing Matt to have to do the bootlegs and be as athletic as he used to be because of his age in the league and avoiding him taking hits. So that's what they're trying to do scheme wise, but it's just, they're not getting Jonathan Taylor enough touches. So he's not able to get into a rhythm. 
and it's just and they're trying to force feed um Pittman when he is on the field and then they're trying to force feed some other receivers and they just they they don't have the timing together the offensive line and Matt Ryan aren't seeing protections the same way or the offensive line struggling to protect what they're seeing so all those things combined it's just it's created the Colts offense and into what it's become and so I mean the Chiefs in all honesty like and they're in the Colts are trying to force feed Hines the the football as well through the passing game because he gives them their most athletic receiving option. So between Pittman, Hines, and Taylor, that's where they're revolving their offense around because they don't they don't necessarily have a tight end that they're featuring right now that can kind of be what Matt Ryan's had down in Atlanta. So they're they're struggling collectively across the board to create the identity of this offense and blend it all together from what it was versus what they're trying to make it for Matt Ryan. Yeah. And, and like Quentin Nelson is, is a fine player. Uh, I like Brayden Smith a lot. Like I covered him back at late the South. I think he's, he's good at right tackle, but um, Ryan Kelly at center, Danny Pinter at right guard. Uh, they don't get a lot of push in the run game. They struggle with games and stunts. You know I mean? There was a lot of times Jacksonville would overload the left side and then run twists and things, you know, and, and bring, you know, the end loop around to the a gap or stuff like that. And they were not seeing things the same way. They're giving up a lot of pressure up the middle. And like you talked about, Matt Ryan just isn't mobile anymore. They, they, they aren't able to move the pocket with him. He's kind of a sitting down. It reminds me of Joe Flacco in Denver a couple of years ago where it, it the defensive line, can reliably know where Matt Ryan's going to be um, on any given snap. And so they can kind of tee off and just, you know, make a beeline to that spot on the field. Um, that's what, that's what you're seeing early from the Colts. And then the inability to establish the run game between the tackles as well. You know, the times they have tried to get Taylor going, they've kind of forced that in between the tackles and they're just not finding much space there. Um, and so I think that's part of what they run into. They get themselves behind the sticks and second and third and long, uh, when they do try to get Taylor going and then they end up ha- taking a lot of three and outs or a lot of short drives, having to punt a lot. So they can never get that rhythm established with the run game. Do, do you have any concern that this is the week? Maybe they do find some rhythm and get that run game established and, and get Jonathan Taylor up and going. Uh, Cause I think that's their best chance of shortening the game and, and keeping this one close and, and pulling the upset. I mean, they're, they're going to have to, whatever week they decide to do it, they're going to have to give Taylor, 30 plus touches and like, just go with that. Like that's what they're going to have to do to get this offense in a rhythm and then kind of work Matt Ryan in in spots with play action pass out of it. Like, but I mean, they, the, the problem they're going to run into is once the Chiefs stack the box and they decide to blitz and be physical with them, neither option's going to matter. And like, then they're, they're going to be cool to be out of sync at that point. And like, it's just, it's going to be another week of frustration for them. And another part of it is, I think there's enough players on that team that remember Jacksonville at the end of last year. And like, I just don't think they've moved on from how their the coaching staff let them down. That's still there. And I don't, I just don't think that that's going to get repaired with what, with the coaching staff they got there right now. Yeah. I mean, they, they, you know, I mean, I think, Carson Wentz took the blame for that, right? Like they sent him to. They the made him the. They made him the. the they made him the scapegoat. But right. the effort level I see right now tells me that they're like, "Hey, we haven't forgotten last year." 
I mean, that, that's been my, I, honestly, the thought has crossed my mind a couple times, like in watching the Colts these first couple weeks. I'm like, is Frank Reich overrated as a coach? Because it has been an underwhelming start, you know, and, and they've, you know, Chris Ballard's gone out and, and tried to find different pieces. You know, when they needed a veteran quarterback, they went and got Phillip Rivers. When they needed to try to get settled at that position, they went and got uh, Carson Wentz. You know, now they're on to Matt Ryan, um, you know, trying to find the right solution. And look, the, the Andrew Luck situation, situation really put them behind the eight ball when he uh, retired a little bit out of the blue, and that's necessitated some of this. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, there's There's got to be a little bit of a sense that um, – there's, you know, the, the, the players seem to be wondering still whether Frank Wright's the Frank Reich is the right guy to lead them to a Super Bowl. No, I don't, I don't think they're wondering by the play I see out there. <laughs> like I think, I think they're the ones that are stuck there are stuck there right now, but I just, I don't see that same. I think he lost, I think he lost the locker room last year and I don't think he's getting it back with the guys that are still there. And I will say this, like, and, you know, in the Jaguars game, Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, some of their better receivers were out. Shaquille Leonard's, he was out. Um, all those guys returned to practice Wednesday. Pittman, albeit in a, in a limited capacity, but that's probably a good sign for their availability this week. So they may have more talent on the field and more weapons at their disposal uh, than they had against Jacksonville. But still getting shut out at Jacksonville uh, was not a great look. On the other side of the ball, um, Look, the Chiefs look like world beaters in Arizona. They look much more pedestrian as an offense um, against the Chargers. Some of that's to be expected, I think. It's a much more familiar foe, uh, a much better pass rush, right, with, with Bosa and Cleo Mack. Um, it exposed some issues, I think, on the Chiefs' offensive line. When you watch that game, is, is that stuff fixable, or does that hint at you know, some struggles ahead for the chiefs up front that, that maybe we didn't anticipate. Cause you know, the, the chargers schemed up some things that they were able to get some pressure up the middle that other teams haven't been able to do in recent years. Yeah. I mean, what they were doing is they were bringing a linebacker, whether it's Kenneth Murray or uh, drew Tranquil, they were starting them out just outside of the B gap over the outside shoulder of a guard, or maybe, inside shoulder of a tackle. And then they were essentially looping them across to one of the a gaps and they were having a defensive tackle occupy one of the pass protectors, depending on who they were trying to get between the guard center guard combination to open up that alley to blitz through or open up that blitz lane. So that's, that's what they were after. And that's what the chargers, that's what the chargers did. So teams are going to try to copy that. And the Chargers are going to bring that again. But the reason teams are trying that and the Cardinals blitz as much as they did is they all believe Mahomes isn't going to burn them with a big strike anymore. So the Chiefs are going to have to find an answer to be able to get those big strikes, which is what McCole Harbin and, and more, more uh, MVS's Marquez Valdez Scantling. Dude, I have a, I'm gun shy with that because I accidentally said it during his first press conference and and like you know I'm gun shy ever since and I'm like I'm gonna say it wrong, I, man. I got you. I know. I I can see it. I can sense it. So my anyway, spidey sense was tingling with uh. That's awkward. Uh, but with MVS, like him and McCole are who they need to be their deep threats. I mean, it may end up just being Justin Watson, but those are the two that need to be on the same page with Mahomes to get those explosive plays. So until those two guys are in a certain sink and certain level with Mahomes, like teams are going to keep testing them. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, I still, 
I still would like to see the Chiefs like establish the run a little bit more. I still think that that that's within the, the capability of this offense. Um, I think it could be hard against the Colts. I think the Colts are pretty uh, pretty good up the middle. I think it's hard to run between the tackles against them. So I don't know if this is the week where they can um, kind of establish a power run game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do think stretching the field vertically is the one element we haven't really seen outside of the Justin Watson um, touchdown. Um, you know, I mean, they, they weren't able to connect a couple of times, Patrick Mahomes and, and, and McCole Hardman Jr. Uh, in the game at Arizona. But look, I think this is a week where the Colts, they, they play a lot of zone. You know, they're, they're, they're going to try to force you, you know, to make quick throws, take the underneath stuff and, and, and kind of dink and dunk down the field, which is something that we saw the Chiefs struggle with at times last year. I think this is an opportunity because Jacksonville was very successful with that quick passing game. Uh, getting the ball short to Christian Kirk or, uh, you know, or other receivers in, in the seams and, and, and underneath in front of the linebackers last week. Where where can the Chiefs attack in this passing game if the Colts are going to try to take away the deep shots, um, you know, and then mix in some blitzes to try to keep Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable? They can attack anywhere that they want. Um, and the reason I say that is because Gus Bradley's the defensive coordinator and Andy <laughs> Reid and, Patrick Mahomes know Gus Bradley very well from his time in San Diego when he failed there uh, when he was with the when they turned into the Los Angeles Chargers and you know struggled there too, and then with the uh, Las Vegas Raiders the past couple of years when they struggled there too. So Gus Bradley has he he comes from that Seattle scheme and took it to Jacksonville with them and the Chiefs played it there too. So I mean. There's a lot of familiarity with Gus Bradley's scheme and his zone coverage style and how he approaches it. And so, I mean, the Chiefs know what he's doing. They know what he's going to try to take away. They have enough tape on what he's tried to do against Mahomes. Uh, spoiler alert, this this defense isn't as good as the Chargers ones that he was being able to maintain Mahomes early on in his career. So the Chiefs, they know where to attack. And one of, like you said, one of the parts is the seams. They really give up in the seams, and there's trips, there's trips formations that the Chiefs routinely used against Gus Bradley's schemes that you just overwhelm those zones and stretch them out, and like that, that always works against them. And like you said, some of the underneath quick passes, if you angle them certain ways, scheme them certain ways, you can attack those too. There's option routes or lasso routes that they can use, angle routes, and you just have to create levels off of it to get what you want open. And that's just how you attack, I guess, Bradley's scheme. And, like, you just you just smoke it, basically. Yeah, I, I'm sure that both sides, um, you know, Jacksonville brought Christian Kirk into the backfield as a second receiver and then just ran an angle route and mm. burned the slot corner who had outside leverage on the play for a pretty easy touchdown. That You know, and they, well, they and, some, and sometimes so when they did that, it was a linebacker against it, which is what because of the scheme. Right. That's how they knew to attack it that way. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They lean so much on their linebackers at that underneath level. And look, I mean, uh, you know, Leonard and, and uh, 58, Bobber uh, Ekarecki are, are pretty good. They have some speed, but, um, you know, um, Zaire Franklin, EJ Speed, some of their other linebackers, just I don't think it's a good matchup for them, whether it's Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster, whatever it may be. I think the Chiefs will have plenty of, of ways to attack. Do you, you know, I mean, look, the Chiefs are pretty heavily favored in this. The line is is moved pretty heavily toward the Chiefs, even more as the week's gone along. Uh, but you think this is a comfortable win for the Chiefs ultimately to get to three? You know, I, I personally do. Yes. 
All right. Well, you heard it here first. 77 nothing. Chiefs are going to win at Indianapolis. Not even remotely close to what I said. <laughs> All right. One day you're going to get on board with my plan. I, I will never get on board with an idea of yours. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I have an idea. Can we do a podcast after the game on Sunday? Yeah, that's fine. Ah, uh, see, you're already on board with my plan. Um, all right. Well, I got nothing else. Um, I'm actually, the- I'm obligated. So that's not me being on board with your plan. It's just an <laughs> obligation. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, it should be another good week. I think the Chiefs will get to three, and um, and, uh, hopefully, uh, we have some, some fun stuff to talk about Sunday night. Well, Todd, when you put it like that, I mean, you're a beacon of hope and I love it. <laughs> there you go. All right. Take care, kids. Take care, kids.